0: All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of High Performance Impact. I'm so excited to be with you all today. And today with me, I have Master Resiliency Trainer for the U.S. Army, Maxie Moss. Welcome.
1: Hi, (laughs) Hi, Megan. Thanks for having me.
0: I am so happy you agreed to do this. I was like, oh, my gosh. And so it was really fun, folks. I got to talk a little bit with Maxie. You know, I always get to talk with my awesome guests before you know we come on here and record it. And Maxie is a delightful person to talk with. And I'm so excited for you guys to get to know her and hear a little bit more about what she does. I was actually really fascinated. And then I'm also excited because she has an interesting topic for us today that I was kind of thinking about and I was like, wow, I'm really curious to see what she's going to tell us about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm really excited to share. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to get started.
0: Awesome. Okay. So Maxie, then would you like to tell us just a little bit more about you and what you do? Yeah,
1: sure. So I am a master resilience trainer, performance expert for the United States Army. I have a master's in sports psychology. Um, Those that do what I do usually have a master's or higher in sports psychology or kinesiology. Mm -hmm. Um, So I work with soldiers to help them be mentally prepared to enhance their performance. Um, I also have a private practice called Empowered Athlete Consulting. And I work Mm -hmm. with athletes or other performers, maybe even um, business executives, um, performing artists, uh, teams, on the mental side of their game or performance so that they can perform more optimally. So I cover um, topics like confidence or motivation, staying calm under pressure and team dynamics and and things like that.
0: I love it. That is so cool. And that's right up my alley. See, like, uh, this is one of my favorite subjects. And so I love your work just because I love talking about how we can perform at a higher level, mm-hmm. and you know it's funny. Like some folks I've talked to, they're kind of like, "Wait, is you know is high performance just for Olympians or you know for those really you know like the CEO in the boardroom?" I'm like, "No, it's for everybody." Yeah. And so it- I love what you're doing. You're helping people do that. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, exactly. I think a lot of people assume performance is really just athletics, but there are mm-hmm. so many different individuals. Uh, who perform throughout their everyday lives as parents, um, as bosses, mm-hmm. as siblings, um, teachers. So being able to provide, uh, these individuals with those tools, because really they're, they're life tools, life skills at the mm-hmm. end of the day that everyone can use to perform at their best in their everyday life.
0: Ooh, I love the way you say that, that they're really just life skills. And that yeah. is so true. Yeah. Um, Oh, I love that. Okay. So I'd love for people to hear just a little bit more about your story and how you got into doing what you're doing now. Yeah. Uh,
1: So, I mean, I grew up as an athlete uh, when I was younger. I played softball, basketball, um, soccer. I played golf in high school. And Mm I really had that firsthand experience of seeing how athletes are given the tools that they need physically. Uh, We're taught how to train physically for our sport, but we weren't necessarily always given support mentally that we Mm -hmm. needed. Um, So I wanted to really be that support and give individuals those tools and those skills to succeed and perform at their best in all areas of their life. Um, And I'm really passionate about this because like, we're not necessarily taught healthy coping. We're not necessarily taught when we're younger to like self-reflect and really think about like, well, why do we think the way that we do and how is that impacting how I'm behaving? We're not necessarily taught how to focus or how to manage our emotions or how to take care of ourselves. So I want to be able to teach those evidence-based skills to really empower individuals in their lives and in their performances. And then when it came to the military, you know, these soldiers have a lot more at stake if they don't perform optimally there's a potential that they don't come home. So if I could teach them even one skill that could potentially save their life or maybe their battle buddy's life, um, I would feel like I was doing my part and really using my background for good or for the better.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. Now, also remind me, now, did you grow up, you were also in Hawaii for some of your high school time, weren't you?
1: Not high school, Uh, my early 20s. Yeah, I lived in Hawaii for about four years um yeah and I I ate it up I love it and I miss it <laughs>
0: <laughs> right yes yeah. folks yeah so I come from Hawaii and so when I found out Maxi was from Hawaii you know she had spent some time there too and I believe um your ancestry remind me now you come from your family's from Samoa right
1: yes yes my grandmother uh my father was born in American Samoa um so yes my I come from a Samoan background
0: I love it. I yeah. love it. So, yeah. I just instantly felt kinship. I was like, Oh, she's so cool. And yes. then I love what you're saying about but you know, learning all you did. So you did a lot of different sports, Maxie. I did. And, <laughs> yeah. Right. I was like, wow, she did soccer. She did, you know, she like did all of the sports really. And it's interesting, but it's true. I've, I've i th- I kind of agree with you that I think we don't really teach our athletes how to cope, yeah. you know, those, you know, those mental skills. And so I think this is really cool to be talking about this and letting athletes just be aware that that's an option, you know, hey, that's something that you can work on. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to, you know, deal with that all the time. So um, um very cool. All yeah, right.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. So now I want us to kind of shift over to our other topic as well. Like, um, I know you've done a ton of work in this area, and I'm not going to lie. I'm really curious to hear what you have to tell us about it. Yeah. But this is the topic of masculinity. Yes. Yes. And, and so I wanted, you know, again, I want to hear more about it, and I can't wait to hear what you have for us. So. Maxie, could you tell us just a bit more about what is masculinity? Like, what are you referring to when you say masculinity?
1: (laughs) Yes, I think this is a great question um, because a lot of people don't know. So when masculinity at its most basic form is really those qualities or behaviors or roles that are associated with boys and men. um, Mm -hmm. But it's not just one type of masculinity. There are multiple masculinities. So it's really more of a plural word. There's a masculinity that shows up when you're at work or when you're with your friends or when you're with your family or in sports. So it all really depends on the context of what that masculinity looks like. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a spectrum. I think a lot of people get stuck in this binary, either you're masculine on one side, you're feminine on the other side, but really there's a Mm -hmm. spectrum of masculine Feminine, gender fluidity, agender—when you don't necessarily um, identify with a particular gender—and within mm-hmm. that spectrum of masculinity, there is hyper or toxic or traditional masculinity. There's also like healthy or more balanced masculinity. Um, so it's it's more of a of a spectrum. And particularly in the U.S., we have more traditional masculinity. It's that cultural norm that is tied to kind of more power and control. It might look like suppressing emotions or being self-sufficient, being assertive, in control, strong, courageous, dominant, um, associated more with anger or distancing from anything more feminine. Mm -hmm. And within that traditional masculinity, there's also more toxic masculinity. And that refers to that, that system that reinforces male superiority and often uses intimidation and violence and abuse to maintain that sense of power. So it's really that traditional cultural masculine norm that not only harms women and uh, our society, but men as well. And so I really, Mm -hmm. that's something that I really try to highlight is that this toxic masculinity is not about demonizing men or male attributes, but rather emphasizing the harmful effects of conforming to some of these more traditional masculinity traits, because Mm -hmm. it's not all bad, like being strong or courageous or being assertive. Like those are important traits to have at times throughout our lives. Um, but there are certain characteristics like suppressing your emotions or um, distancing from anything female or feeling like the only emotion you can express is anger can be really damaging and have some negative effects. So I really want to highlight that. I think some people are a little aversive to the term toxic masculinity because it's, they think that we're saying that being masculine is bad and that's not it. For me, Mm -hmm. I'm highlighting those traits that don't, help an individual grow and be
0: their true selves in their everyday life. I love that. Okay. Yeah. I really like how you're saying that because yeah, definitely. It's not meant to tear down men in any way. Right. Um, you know, cause of course we could also have a conversation about feminine, you know, femininity, I guess would be mm-hmm. the word, you know, and we could talk about the healthy and then the unhealthy forms that that could take too. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe we'll have another conversation about that another time. Yeah. Um, but I know that this is something you have studied quite a bit. In fact, I want to say, didn't you study this quite a bit in your master's program? I, I think? Yeah, yeah, So okay.
1: I I actually started a lot of my research in undergrad, and then that kind of carried okay. over to my graduate program. So I I really got into it um, in undergrad. I double majored in psychology and women and gender studies. I had always been fascinated around gender studies. And gendered issues. So I took a lot of uh, men and masculinities classes. So that was just kind of the lens I was viewing the world in at that time in my life. And I was also Mm -hmm. a huge sports fan. So I was, you know, I was watching some of my favorite teams and I was noticing that some of these really successful teams. Rejected more traditional masculinity. They had a lot of closeness on their team. Uh, It wasn't all about winning. The organizations really cared about their players. They really supported their their players being their true selves. Um, I saw a lot of vulnerability on the teams where a lot of the players were expressing their heart for one another and their care for one another. And I just kind of sat there and I was like, "Huh, is there something there around masculinity in sports and how that impacts teams?" And so thinking like, could healthier masculinity impact the success on a team? And so I began doing research, looking at how toxic masculinity impacts team cohesion and team success. And I found that there was a correlation and that as toxic masculinity on a team increased, their team success actually decreased. So that correlation really got me thinking like, okay, there could be something Mm -hmm. here And then transitioning into grad school, it inspired me to develop a two-day workshop looking at men and masculinities in sports, and in particular, really educating about it because I don't think many people understand it or there's a misconception around it, and Mm -hmm. providing activities to build self-awareness and to provide the space for athletes and performers to examine their relationship with masculinity and really challenge those parts that are harming them and building their own masculine identity and providing them with some healthy coping and also helping them develop a healthy team culture. So yeah, it's something that I am really passionate about and it's just kind of grown over time.
0: I love that. And then I'm assuming you probably use quite a bit of this training, I'm assuming in the army, cause you're up at, in Georgia, I believe. Right. Yeah. And so you're, yeah. So I mean, you're working quite a bit with, I think an area where, you know, probably a lot of that traditional masculinity kind of reigns, right? <laughs> it
1: definitely does. That has been a really amazing thing to be a part of and observe. Um, it's a very highly masculine environment where a belief around rejecting emotions or emotions are bad. Uh, mm-hmm. I just actually had a training a couple of weeks ago where a soldier brought that up saying like, I, my emotions are bad, they don't help me. Um, I don't want to have them. And so being able to build awareness of, okay, well, it's not about not having emotions because those emotions are signals. They're informing you like, Hey, something's up. We need to address something, but it's, it's more about like, what do you do with them? How do you cope with them? How do you deal with them? How do you use them to your advantage? How do you attune and tend to those emotions rather than I just can't have emotions at all. So that's kind of where I try to bring it more into the military setting is just building awareness of like, hey, let's kind of look at that belief that you're having right here and see, is it helping you? Is it hurting you? Is there another way of viewing it?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, okay, so I definitely want to hear, you know, some of your thoughts on how we can address it, you know, and how we can move towards healthy masculinity. But yeah. um, I, I kind of wanted to know some more about how masculinity, you know, can really affect relationships, performance, you know, I know we talked a little bit, you know, even about health, you know, yeah. and organizations, culture, like, just some of these areas, I would love to know, you know, how masculinity is affecting those things?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So there's been a lot of research on um, the impact of toxic masculinity on men. Uh, and it, there's a, a lot of negative impacts mentally, physically, emotionally, and relationally. They've even mm. found a negative impact on school performance, an increase in stress, uh, trouble sleeping, increased blood pressure, heart problems, Mm -hmm. bodily pains. Um, They notice that those who tend to adhere to more traditional masculinity tend to cope through overworking or engaging in risky behavior like drinking and substance abuse and tobacco. Um, There's also an avoidance of seeking help. So that's both um, psychologically and medically. So we tend to see more uh, poor mental health, poor physical health. Uh, There's also been less uh, research done around less intimacy and in close relationships, and that's both romantically and in friendships. Um, we see an increase in domestic violence, social isolation, and then also a lack of satisfaction in relationships. So there you know there's a good list of negative side effects. Um, and yet our society continues to really promote this ideal masculinity and kind of like pedestalize it. Uh, which Mm -hmm. makes it really easy to internalize um, because we're socialized to believe that that's how we should be, or this is what it's like to be a man, or this is how I interact with other people. So until you can kind of begin to really question it for yourself and notice how it impacts your life and your health and your relationship, that's Mm -hmm. when you can actually do something about it and begin to really challenge it um, and, and shift how we value toxic masculinity so that it can be expressed in a more healthy
0: way. I love that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, so there's a huge range of effects there that yes. you mentioned. And, you know, I think that those of us, you know, listening here to what you're saying, I feel like we can probably, you know, identify with that that we've heard that before and we can definitely see that. Oh, so, I'd love to kind of shift this maybe now in kind of a positive direction. I'd love to yeah. hear your thoughts on what can be done. You know, how are we So, I guess I guess what have your efforts been then? To, um, mm-hmm. to kind of help address this and to kind of fix it. What have you seen that's been working?
1: Yeah. So in my workshop, um, like I kind of mentioned, I try to hit on educating because if you don't understand something, it's going to be really hard to change it. Uh, yes. And then also building self-awareness around it, because if you don't understand how you relate with that topic, again, it's going to be really hard to change it to work for your for you uh and then also providing them uh skills and tools of how to actually deal with life in more healthier ways so i think that's kind of a great way of going about um becoming aware changing um and shifting how you relate with masculinity um, I know that some people like looking at like, what would healthy masculinity be? Some people call it mindful masculinity. I know Liz Plank in her book calls it mindful masculinity. Some people mm-hmm. might might call it balanced masculinity. There's not really one word for it, but it's mm-hmm. really about like owning your behavior and your emotions, expressing your emotions in an effective, productive, and healthy way really kind of checking your language. Like, how are you speaking about yourself, about other people? Are you speaking down about women? Are you speaking down about men who might be more feminine? What narrative are you kind of perpetuating there? Uh, Standing Mm -hmm. up against those who degrade women or put others down, um, building those closer relationships and allowing yourself to be vulnerable. I think that word gets a really bad rep and people think, oh, if I'm vulnerable, I'm weak or someone's going to get at me or I'm not protected. But vulnerability is what allows us to connect with other people, grow stronger relationships and process through things that we're, we're going through. Um, so those are you know, some things that you can kind of ponder mm-hmm. and reflect on to build more of a healthy relationship with masculinity.
0: Definitely, definitely. And I know that you referred to a soldier, actually, the other week, you know, who was saying, oh, my emotions don't help me. None of that. That kind of makes me think of what you also just said, too, about vulnerability. And I think that the two are very much connected, you know, to show our emotions and talk about them. That is very vulnerable. And I don't think I feel like as a culture and, you know, society or whatever, we really haven't fostered that super well. I maybe we're I think we're starting to try, but I guess, what are maybe, what are a couple ways that you have been able to maybe help some folks foster that vulnerability? I mean, I know that's a tough one. So I don't know. I'd love to know if you have found some ways. It
1: is tough. I think going back to that self-awareness, having individuals really take the time and reflect on what is their relationship like with vulnerability? Do they notice themselves Mm -hmm. being vulnerable or not? You know, journaling it out, talking with someone that you're close with. Um, Really processing it through and understanding um, do you know what vulnerability means? Because if we don't know what it even means or what it looks like for you, it's going to be hard to try to enact it. So, really, Mm -hmm. I think the starting point is building that self awareness, understanding what vulnerability looks like, and um, you know, having a space to be able to do that, whether that's in a journal or with a close friend to be able to kind of talk that out, talk that through, talk about the fears of being vulnerability, talk about. I don't even know what vulnerability is. Like, what is this? You know? Um, yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. Love that. So I think this is a really important topic that, you know, you have just kind of even touched on today. I know that there is so much more that we could talk about. Um, but I guess just kind of finishing up here, Maxie, Mm -hmm. I guess, do you have any parting thoughts or like, I guess, any words of encouragement or advice, you know, for any guys or even girls listening you know, that kind of want to understand better, like how could they go further? How could they go about maybe, I don't know, either reading some more about this or learning some more about this? Yeah. So
1: uh, I have some additional resources, definitely. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll pass those along to you so you can um, provide those as well. You know, websites, documentary Mm -hmm. books. Um, But also I think something that I would want to leave anyone more curious about this with, or wanting to explore this more is really allow yourself this space to question what it means to be a man to you and why you think that way. Mm -hmm. It could be just as simple as that. Like, what does it mean to be a man for you and why do you think that way? And when we can start kind of exploring, like how we built our core beliefs and how we built this narrative that we might have around being a man or masculinity or however we're supposed to be in this world you know that's when we can actually think about is that true to me is that my truth or is that something that i've learned that i've been trying to maintain and uphold and is it supporting me or not um so I, yeah i think that is a great
0: place mm-hmm. to start wonderful and that would definitely promote i think what you were talking about with the self awareness you know yes. just asking why do I think this way always it's always good to start there so that is fabulous advice thank you so much Maxie I appreciate this
1: yes thank you for having me this is wonderful
0: yes well and again you know this is just a brief snapshot of this topic and so folks um, for anyone listening here I would love for you to be able to reach out to Maxie you know if you have some more questions and so I will definitely put Maxie's you know contact information here in the description just check out the podcast description i'll also have it on any of the postings where you found this um but you'll definitely be able to reach out to maxi if you have some questions and i know that she's got some other really good resources and i'll be sure to have them here too um but definitely reach out because it kind of can be a little it's a big topic and i think that luckily we're starting to talk about it more so that people people can become a lot more aware of it And the more aware we are, you know, just as Maxie was talking about here, the more we can improve things and get better. So exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much, Maxie. And thanks everybody for listening in. Thank you, Megan. All right. Everyone take care and we'll talk again soon. (laughs) Bye-bye.